Welcome to TCC Alive, a podcast of Tulare Community Church. We've been studying in, in this series, Holy Spirit Come Down. And yet, last week was Pentecost, today is the final uh, piece of this series. And the first, first week, what we talked about was the disciples and how they had to figure out how to know the person of the Holy Spirit and how to, to know the character and the ways of Jesus through through the Holy Spirit that they couldn't see. They were so used to walking with Jesus and touching Him. They could see Him and they, they watched His movements and they could see with their eyes. And then all of a sudden things changed and, and they had to learn how to walk by faith and not by sight in a whole new way and how to interact with this Holy Spirit that's just like Jesus, but they couldn't see Him. And then last week we talked about how the Holy Spirit comes down and empowers these people who were scared and who ran away. And, and the Holy Spirit has always been working. And we've looked at that all throughout the Old Testament. And, and how the Holy Spirit cannot be trifled with. But at the same time, we can't stiff arm the Holy Spirit and say, you know what, I don't think I can do that right. Or I'm scared that I'm not going to do this right. Or I don't understand the Holy Spirit because it's just mysterious and I can't see Him. And so I'm just going to stiff arm the Holy Spirit. We can't do that either. We have to surrender to the Spirit. And yet not trifle with the Holy Spirit. Now today, we're going to look at Acts chapter 8. But let me kind of give you a, a summary of what happens between Acts 2 and Acts 8. So the disciples began preaching. And at one day, Peter and John were at the temple gate, beautiful, as they're going up to the temple. And there's a man there. And he says, hey, I want some money. And they said, we don't have money, but... What we do have, we will give you in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And this man that had been over 40 years old, and who knows how long he had been crippled, but he gets up and he's dancing around and he's dancing on the steps of the temple and, and the people are amazed and they come around and say, what is this? What is going on? And then the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin, the people that are really in charge of what happens around the temple, they're getting jealous and they're saying, what is going on? What is this teaching? And they're teaching that we killed the Messiah that we've been waiting for, that we killed the Messiah, and, and, and that he is the one who is raised from the dead. And we don't want that teaching because we don't believe in the resurrection of the dead. And so they called them into the Sanhedrin, Peter and John. They said, you can't do this anymore. Peter and John says, judge for yourself, but, but we must serve God and not men, and we cannot help but say and speak what we've witnessed. And they warned them and said, don't you say that again. But they went from there and they went to the, the upper room with, with the, the people who were following Jesus. And they told them what had happened. They celebrated and then the whole house was shaken by the power of the Holy Spirit. And they even spoke more and they went into the temple courts even more boldly with more people. And the Sanhedrin got more and more jealous and more and more afraid of this movement that was growing. And then the whole thing with Ananias and Sapphira happened. This community is, is, is being built by the Spirit in a spiritual way, and they're growing in their faith, but they're also growing socially, and they're growing as a, as a community. And people are selling their possessions, and they're bringing them at the, the feet of the apostles and saying, use this for the glory of the Lord. Ananias and Sapphira d- d- decide to, to lie to the Holy Spirit, and they die as a result of that. And the whole, the whole church is, is like, whoa, we can't trifle with God. Remember what we talked about last week? 
And the rest of the people are having so much respect for the disciples and the power that's demonstrated. And they hardly dare even join them because it's like, wow, the presence of God is there. And it's just so, so amazing. But we're not quite sure. We don't want to step out of line and become like Ananias and Sapphira. But despite that, their numbers grew to about 5,000. Peter and James were, again, being bold on the Temple Mount and the Sanhedrin came and arrested them. They put them into prison and they said, we're going to decide what to do with you tomorrow. Well, meanwhile, an angel came in the middle of the night and said to the disciples, said to Peter and John, I want you guys to go right in the center of the Temple Mount and I want you to proclaim this new fullness of life that everybody can have. Now, I love that. I love that verse because it, it declares to right in the midst of the church, right in the midst of the religious society and the institution and the temple, and right in the midst of all of that, saying, declare the glory of God and declare this new life, this fullness of life that can be had. These are covenant people that they were declaring this to. The Holy Spirit changed everything, and the angel gives them that instruction to tell them about this new life they can have in Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. Declare it right in the midst of the church, right in the midst of the temple. And so they go out and they do that. In the meanwhile, St. Hadrian comes the next morning, and they're, they're saying, hey, bring those guys from prison, and we're going to decide what to do with them. And they go there, and they realize uh, the door's locked. But nobody's in there. And they're saying, well, how can that be? And then sometime later, somebody came and said, hey, I, we found them. They're on the temple mount again, declaring that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. And so, they, so they said, okay, bring them. So the guards come, and they didn't make a big scene because they thought that the people were going to stone them. And so they, they kind of quietly got them away and brought them before the Sanhedrin and the Sanhedrin, saying, why are you saying this? Why do you keep saying this? And they said, we cannot help, again, but say what we have witnessed and know by the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus Christ is Lord and King and He is risen from the dead and by no other name can you be saved. They couldn't even help it. And they didn't know what to do with them. And so we picked this up at uh, chapter 5. At verse 29. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me there. Chapter 5. Verse 29. So you would think, oh man, they're scared, they're arrested. You know, they're going to get in trouble. They're going to get beaten, maybe killed. Who, who knows? Jesus had already been killed by this same group. Again, he allowed himself to be. He had total control over that. But they have no fear. In verse 29, Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his his own right hand as prince and savior that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. We are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. And when the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, 
who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Now just a little footnote here. Gamaliel is actually the teacher of Saul, or who we would know as Paul. Paul, the apostle, before he has his encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, is probably here. He is a part of the Sanhedrin. He certainly uh, knew about this. His teacher is speaking here, Gamaliel. This is the teacher of Paul, the apostle. Okay? So he stands up and he speaks and he says, um, let's see here, where were we? Verse 35. He addressed the men of Israel. Consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Thutis appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied around him. He was killed, and all his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. And after him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you leave these men alone, let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it, is, it, if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. And then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. So here's what Gamaliel is saying. He's a really wise man. He's saying, if it's from God, you're not going to be able to stop this, so, so don't even try. So, so leave, it, leave it alone. Stop trying to control what's happening and just let it play out. Now, I want to note here, because we're talking about scattering today. We're going to jump to to Acts 8 in a moment. Scattering. There's two types of scattering that happens. We see the first type here. We're going to call that the scattering of Thutis and Judas. Okay? It's, It's when something is built by human origin. Something is built around an individual, an idea, human reasoning, whatever it might be. In this case, it was Thutis, and then later it was Judas. And these things were movements that were built just around people and human reasoning. And when those leaders were killed, everybody scattered, and it just kind of died. That's the kind of scattering, that's the Thutis and Judas type of scattering. Now, there's a different kind of scattering here. And Gamaliel relates or, or, or refers to this too. He's saying, if this is from God, you're not going to be able to stop it. It's going to be that kind of transformation that it's just going to be like wildfire. And there's no way that you can stand in the way of that without getting consumed and burned. You, you don't just stand in the midst of a wildfire. You get out of the way. And God is a consuming fire. And so you're not going to be able to stop it. You're going to be fighting against God. That's the kind of scattering that we're going to look at in Acts chapter 8. The Holy Spirit scatters for His glory. Now, I did my best today to, to, uh, to have a prop. And so I brought with me a little prop. And they're, they're really hard to find in the valley. Um, so this is a by faith prop. You can't really see it with your own eyes. But by faith, this is a dandelion. Okay? Now, because of the drought, or maybe you guys just don't have dandelions here. Do you have dandelions here? Yeah, I thought so. I mean, dandelions are everywhere. We had dandelions when I was a kid, and we always used to pop the tops off, and, and our neighbor had you know, kind of a nice lawn, and, 
we had an okay lawn too, but we'd, we'd take these dandelions when they go to seed and we'd blow them. And then like a couple weeks later, the strangest thing happened. Our neighbor that had a nice lawn also had all these dandelions and stuff. That same concept is how the Holy Spirit scatters. You take a dandelion with all its seeds, and it has to die. Look, that one up there, it has to die. And Jesus said, unless, unless someone, something dies, and in our case, we need to die to ourself, it won't be able to scatter its seed. And so when we, it'll look maybe pretty and everything as the flower, and then maybe the dandelion in its, its yellow stage, and we're like, oh, that's, that's the best part, isn't it? Well, it is for that dandelion and for its glory days or whatever, but it's not useful as far as multiplication until it dies. And so each one of us as disciples of Jesus, as future church planters or people who are a part of church planting, we first must die to ourselves and to our own way of doing things and to try to do human reasoning and all these things that create movements that will just not go anywhere. We must first die to ourselves and surrender to the Holy Spirit. Not stiff from the Holy Spirit, but surrender to the Holy Spirit. And then as we die to ourselves, we become seed that just blows by the Holy Spirit, blows all over the place and starts other places where the Lord's name is praised and worshipped. And that's the prop for today is a by faith dandelion. So think about that when we're talking about scattering, how the Spirit blows, but it has to blow those seeds who have died so that others could live. The disciples are rejoicing. They leave there, and this is the first example of a beating that is recorded, a physical beating for the sake of the name. And so they rejoice, and they don't stop. It says day after day, in in houses and on the temple courts, they're proclaiming the Lord's name. And the church grows, and it grows, and it grows, Because they continue to sacrifice and surrender and not do what men tell them to do, but do what God tells them to do and follow the Holy Spirit. And that's where we see transformation. That's where we see growth. We wonder sometimes why the church in North North America is not growing. It's because we're trying to, to grow it through human reasoning. We're trying to grow it in our own strength. And, and we have so many of these things that we're trying to do. And yet around the world... We see the church growing like crazy, especially in the global south. Why is that? Because they have surrendered their lives. And they have said, I will die to my own way of doing things and receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit is finding receptivity and is growing and blowing everywhere. I want that for the church in North America. And the best way I know that that can happen is through people who understand who Jesus is, people who understand who the Holy Spirit is, people who are willing to surrender their lives as disciples of Jesus and not just churchgoers and together get on that same page and say we're going to live out what it means to be a disciple of Jesus and we're going to live out what that means as far as the continuum of planting churches all throughout our area and all in our region and all around the world. And that is what we're going to do because that is what Jesus is calling us to do. That was kind of a weak clap for, yeah. <laughs> oh, may his name be praised. So we see that in Acts 6, the choosing of the seven, and Stephen is one of them. And seven others, and they had to, 
to come together. There were, the needs were, were so great and the church was growing so rapidly. And then Stephen becomes one of these that, that is really bold in his faith. And these deacons were, were bold. They, they proclaimed the gospel. They took care of needs, but they proclaimed the gospel. And Stephen is doing this and he is killed as a result. He speaks to the Sanhedrin and he's killed. And that sets up the stage for Acts 8. And we're going to spend just a little bit of time just in Acts 8, the first eight verses. So turn to that. Acts chapter 8. This church is persecuted and scattered. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. So he was there. Saul, or the Apostle Paul, began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. See, Saul, at that point, was in this Thutis and Judas type of movement. He had his own movement. He had his own way. Then he said, no, it's going to have to go this way. This is the way it's supposed to go. And these guys are doing it different in ways, according to the Holy Spirit, that we don't understand, that we're not going to try to understand, or surrender to. This is the way it's always been. This is the way it's got from, from Moses. And this is the way it has to be. We're going to root out and kill anything else that we don't understand. And this was, this was Saul. This was Paul. Until he encounters Jesus on the road to Damascus. And he understands that Jesus is the Messiah. And that he must surrender his life to Jesus in his way and his Holy Spirit. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. And with shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. And so there was great joy in that city. So there had been so many different messianic figures that had come and gone, Judas and Judas and, and, and others. And there were countless movements beforehand that had failed. This messianic expectation among the people was high. And it still is high today, isn't it? Maybe in a different way. People are looking for a solution. They're they're looking for a hero. They're looking for somebody or something to solve the emptiness they have in their hearts or the disturbing things that go on around them to be fixed. And they want to believe, but they keep having their hopes dashed over and over again. And my question to you today is can you trust a God like that? Can you trust a God that seems like people all around us are, are saying, putting their trust in different things, putting their trust in this and that, and then their hopes are dashed? And sometimes as Christians too, we, we expect God to work a certain way, and then He doesn't, and then can we trust Him to work how He wants to work rather than the way we want to work? It's that cycle that continues of, of expectation and, and then hope being dashed, and and we want to be scattered, but it's a very painful process, isn't it? It's usually through difficulty and things that we don't understand or don't really want to understand. And, and, and through that, God does his best work. But in the midst of that, there's a great risk of losing faith, of not trusting God, of not loving God the way that he wants to be loved. Instead, I just want to love God the way I want to love him. But can we trust God in the midst of things that we can understand the scattering times in our lives. In Africa, government leaders will rise up 
And the people are looking for security, and they're looking for food, and they're looking for things that every family wants, education for their children. And so a leader will rise up and promise a better life, and and for a while, things go well. And that person had been persecuted or, or kind of been struggling as well. And then they rise up through that and say, I understand what you're going through. I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to make a change. And so they rise up. And for a while, things are changed. But because there are not checks and balances, because there's not good accountability, it's usually only a matter of time when that leader becomes corrupt as well. And that Thutis and Judas movement mentality kind of gets played out. And they begin to use human reasoning. And they realize that's a dead end. And then that person becomes corrupt. And then the people cry out. And this cycle continues. And every time, the belief that something could actually change gets less and less and less. In the difficulties of life, can you trust a God who will bring you through difficulties in times of scattering? Can you trust a God who will do that and will work that way? Or are you going to have your trust go less and less each time? See, it's difficult to believe in such environments of scattering when people and systems have let you down. It's difficult not to become jaded and cynical, perhaps you know, dealing with lingering bitterness and trying, not to, to find, and trying to find the courage to believe once again. Each one of you, I know each one of you, has had disappointments in life. But can you trust a God who works through tragedy for his good? And your good. Even if you can't predict the outcome. Well, as we conclude, I just wanted to point out that God is a God who can be trusted. He's a God that even though he scatters, he does those things for his glory and for our good. You see, it's the same God of the Old Testament we see in Genesis 11 that was at Pentecost in Genesis or in Acts 2 and Acts 8 when there's this great scattering. We don't have time to, to read that, but again, the people at Babel were instructed by God to be fruitful and to multiply and what? Fill the earth. To, to intentionally go out and be scattered and fill the earth. And instead they huddled together and said, let us make a name for ourselves. God doesn't destroy them, no. He confuses their language. And as a result, scatters them. And the end result is still the same, that they go out into the earth and fill the earth And God's purposes and his will will not be thwarted, as Gamaliel says. And so we see this in Genesis chapter 11. Now it's interesting too, this is for further study for you, but the list of the nations in Genesis 10, right before Genesis 11, corresponds quite nicely actually with those represented at Pentecost described in Acts 2. Look at that. Those same same areas that are described, those nations in Genesis 10, are also described in Acts chapter 2. But something is happening there in Acts chapter 2 where God doesn't mingle their language but brings them together and they're hearing the, the gospel in their own language. So that language barrier is broken down by the Holy Spirit and they're hearing the Lord and then later they get kind of complacent again and so he scatters them all throughout the known world. 
And my question is today, can, can you love a God? Can you trust a God who scatters? Again, there's personal growth that comes from being scattered. Our purposes are not our own, but belong to God. If we measure our growth according to what is best for us, we usually are disappointed. We must measure it according to what will promote the glory of God and His kingdom. This dandelion growth beyond our own lawn. And so some of you I know are pretty anxious right now because we didn't get to the note sheet. And there are blanks that are just like glaring at you, like they're flashing on your page. (laughs) So here's what we're going to do. I'm just going to read them, okay? So you can fill them in. So why does God scatter? He scatters for His glory and our ultimate good. Why is God scattered? God scatters because He knows that we will settle for something safe. He scatters, number three, because He is more concerned with our holiness than our happiness. God scatters because he wants the world to know his glory and to refine his church in the process. We need to develop a scattering mindset. We are a church that plants churches. You here that belong to churches are churches who plant churches. And you don't do that because it's some social construct. You do that because Jesus told us to do that. And he has not left us alone. He's given us his Holy Spirit. He's given us everything by his presence and his spirit in order to do that. If he didn't, that'd be kind of mean. Hey, go do that, but you're not going to have the tools. Go build this thing, but you don't get any tools. He's given you the tools in his very presence to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them everything that I've taught you. And I'm going to be with you, he says. Now go and do that. Make those disciples. And Jesus says, I will build my church. And we will do it with him. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you that you have not left us alone. But you have given us your very presence through your Holy Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you created all things. And you hold all things together. And your purpose and your will is unified in such a way that you will not be thwarted. Your ways, your character is going to be cast over all and scattered over the whole earth as the water covers the sea. And that mission to make all things new is going to be a reality for each one of us. Everybody in the whole earth. The question is, Will we surrender and be a part of this great work? Or will we choose the Thutis and Judas movement instead? Captivate us by your Holy Spirit. May we be surrendered to your presence and to your way. And do what only you can do to bring transformation in the hearts and the minds of each one of us, but also the people we encounter. For the glory of your name and the advancement of your kingdom, scatter us. Scatter us, Jesus. Scatter us, Holy Spirit. We pray in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to know more about the ministries and mission of Tulare Community Church, visit us at tccalive.org.